I didn't mean to, but I accidentally intimidated all of the other residents. So I, I just thought they were being really deferential and nice, but it turns out they were scared of me. Oh, good. Fear is fear is good in those well, situations. I, I didn't I didn't realize this for a long, long time in my life because like um, having a sort of inferiority complex because of all the bullying, I didn't quite twig the fact that I'm actually quite tall. You are. You're quite a big man. <laughs> yeah, but like mentally. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. You're like, you're, you know, the equivalent, I'm going with dogs here, you're like a St. Bernard that thinks it's a Chihuahua, whereas I was always the Chihuahua that thought it was a St. Bernard. Yeah. So we kind of levelled out. Yeah. like maybe... Terrier. Yeah, terriers. <laughs> a large terrier. <laughs> yeah, but people don't see that. So like, like, I'll, I'll, like you know, you know, you do that thing where you wake up in the middle of the night and you, like, you have some aching revelation about a memory that suddenly flips everything on its head and all you feel is shame and regret. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But- like, I, I had that a few years back where I realised that in that bed sit, there'd been a guy downstairs and like he'd just been playing music and it wasn't that bad. Like It, it wasn't like horrendous. It wasn't like, you know, he wasn't playing like EDM at like four in the morning at volume 100 billion. It was like half nine at night and I was just tired from work. Mm-hmm. And I went downstairs and banged on his door because he couldn't hear me. Like the music was louder as he got downstairs, but in my room it wasn't that bad and it wasn't late enough for me to be making a fuss about it. But I banged on his door to get his attention and like being socially awkward, I I just sort of like leaned in and went like, you need to turn that music down and then walked off. And like, he never bothered me again. And I realised like looking back now, he was terrified of me. A big bloke (laughs) has just leant into his room and just whispered at him, turn your music down. Yeah, like, exactly. Oh my god, he doesn't even feel the need to shout at me. <laughs> He's one step away from stabbing me in the eye. <laughs> he he probably talks about that because people normally listen. That's why he uses that volume. <laughs> Shit. I felt really bad. Well, like, I, you know, years later, I, I never saw the bloke again. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, mental health again. Mm. Need to look after people's mental health. Don't just stick your head into their personal space and tell them what to do. I, I, in my defence, I was. 23, 24, and very stupid. <laughs> hey up, I'm Joe Heathcote, and this is Consistently Eccentric, a podcast where I will attempt to teach a friend of mine a lesson from British history, focusing specifically on the lesser known and less believable people and events that the history books tend to leave out. So let's get started with... So, we've, we've done a lot of relatively modern history recently, so let's not... Because this story begins in the late Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. And your three words. Go for it. Exile. Love it. Coventry. Hate the place and the word. Necromancy. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> Continue, sorry. Exiles, Coventry. Um, necromancy. Necromancy. So, being a king in England in the late Middle Ages was generally considered to be quite a lonely and frequently a dangerous job. At least that was definitely the way Edward II felt. Oh, he's like the hardest king of all time, isn't he? Oh, no, no, sorry, that's Edward Ooh, I. No, that's a, yeah. Edward I. Edward II was one of the softest kings of all time. Yes, I remember Well, he, you, you get the feeling he didn't want to be king because immediately in 1307, when his reign began, he decided he wanted to organise a kind of job-share arrangement for the whole king and thing. <laughs> so he sent word to his good friend yes. uh, called Piers Gaveston, isn't it Piers? <laughs> no, Piers. Piers. <laughs> uh, Gaveston, who was chilling in France at the yeah. time. And he was chilling in France because he'd been exiled the previous year by Edward's father. Wasn't Wasn't he exiled because there were strong rumours that Piers and Edward were like... Uh... <laughs> there had not been an official reason given, but it did seem that there were concerns about how close the two young nobles had been getting. So... <laughs> Was, There's nothing it, wrong with it. We just sleep in the same beds and finish each other's sentences. <laughs> well, it was it was felt that um, if we send if Edward's we send, marriage prospects yeah. might might be improved by Piers not being around. Yeah. Piers needs to go to France for a little while, um, <laughs> and it made Edward very happy to have his friend back. But the barons they weren't as pleased with Gaveston because he was immediately made the Earl of Cornwall, and he took the role of Edward's most trusted and senior advisor. Well, so that they felt they were being sidelined uh, and snubbed quite comprehensively by this new king. And they were even less pleased when Edward left for France to get married uh, and Gaveston was left in charge as substitute king. 
So he Is took that a over. thing you could do? No, he was, you know, a regent in oh, his place. Oh, regent, right, okay. But I prefer the term substitute king. I mean, you're not wrong. It just it just gets confusing because the word regent is so well understood and known. <laughs> yeah, I like sub-king. But, uh, well, possibly sub-king, possibly top-king. We just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he was... Power bottom king. <laughs> he could have been, yeah. But he was left in charge. And the barons, of course, they were fuming at this. Mm. The idea that this young noble who hadn't really done anything of note, was put in charge of the entire kingdom. Yeah. And they were so mad that in February 1308, so Edward had been in his new king role for less than a year, mm. they refused to conduct any parliamentary business at all until Gaveston had been exiled again. <laughs> Re-exiled. Re-exiled. <laughs> and Edward, he, he tried to resist. But obviously one of the things that Parliament could do would be to, you know, sort of talk about things like taxes and money. Mm and how much money he was going to be getting. So to cripple him, basically. Yeah, they, they, you know, didn't say in as many words, we will cripple you, but they strongly hinted. <laughs> I'm not saying we're going to cripple you. I'm just saying that maybe you won't get any money or anything done ever. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> we, we can make things go hard for you. We can't... Cripple is such a harsh word. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say you won't be able to afford the life to which you've become accustomed <laughs> Or any life. <laughs> so, originally, he agreed that he'd send uh, Gaveston over to the continent. Did they? Was this a time when the English crown had lands in France? Um, no, I think this is before the Hundred Year War. So, no, I don't think they would have had particularly had lands in France. I think it was literally just send him over to the continent. I suppose he would Not have had lands, but just to be. There, yeah. Most nobles did, didn't they? So. so it's just go and kick it over there. But at the last minute. Because he said, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll have to send him back over to the continent. Maybe I can visit for long summers in the Riviera. <laughs> but at the last minute, he went, well, I've agreed to the exile and I'll stick, I'll stick to the exile because that's what I've said I'll do. Yeah. But instead of the continent, how about Dublin? And instead of exile, how about I make him Lord Lieutenant of Ireland? Did we have, no, I say we, did England have control oh, yeah. of Ireland? At the, oh, right, okay. So rather than send him over to the continent with no power, he sent him over and basically put him in charge of Ireland. Which made him instantly a great lord. Yeah. And even though he'd done that, he immediately started scheming about how he could get Gavston back across the Irish Sea, back to his side. <laughs> and within four months, his second exile was over, as Edward had been willing to accept quite a few sweeping reforms from the barons in exchange for his special friend. So they managed to get rid of him, but then they'd looked I mean, at it and said, well, yeah. actually... I'm pretty sure we can get Edward to agree to quite a lot of things. If we just, if, if we, we just say he can dangle, have dangle Piers' carrot in front of him. We, yeah, Piers is the carrot, and the threat of financially crippling him is the stick. And if we use both of those quite sensibly, we can get him to cede a lot of his power mm. to us. All right, so you know, King John's getting a bad rap here. <laughs> you know, mm. all I'm thinking is, you know, forced to sign the Magna Carta and all the rest of it, whereas you know. Edward II here, because he wants to go off and play buddy boys with Piers, it's like, you know, maybe half the job was already done by the time John got involved, you know, is what mm. I'm saying. Well, it's, it's, we've said before, this, I think we've said right. this before when we were talking about James I, it must have been incredibly difficult to be, you know, a king who was also a homosexual because it was not acceptable and it was something that people could use to beat you over the head with. Yeah, and in this, anyone it, who knew about it basically had you mm. by the... You know, short and girlies forever. But at the same time, knowing that, yeah, it, it's amazing that he put himself in that situation by giving his friend, his partner, so much overt yeah. power. Well, I suppose it's a testament to like how powerful love is. Mm. Really, like, like he knew it would ruin him if it came out. Like, like not to the point of like I'll lose everything. In like they'll literally just they'll kill him. They'll turn him over to the church, who will kill him. In like in a horrible, horrible way, for being like a perversion of God's grace and all the rest of it. Oh yeah, like it, it wouldn't have been like like that would be what happened to Piers. Sorry, like what would happen to Edward would be like locked up in a tower, exile because they couldn't. You know, divine right of kings would still have been a thing, but at the same time, they couldn't have had him like out and about. Like, he would have had to have been locked up and turned into a crazy hermit at the very best. 
I mean, you do feel sorry because, you know, Edward had married by this point. You do feel sorry for his wife in this situation. Yeah. um, We should just maybe run like a general code at the start of every single show that deals with anything before 1970. (laughs) And of course, we apologise for the treatment of all women in this story, which would have been uniformly horrible. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I don't <laughs> think it, there's any redeeming notes here. I'll just have a no. look through. No, no. So, um, but it's it's okay because he'd come back over, but by 1311, he'd been exiled yet again. They managed to get rid of him a third time. Uh, this was after... Right. So, Ed, like, okay, now, now I'm back to Edward being a terrible negotiator because he's given up power. You know, the no. condition was, you have all the power, Pierce comes back. <laughs> no, because he was, he was trying to win some more support because people were saying, you know, ah. he was because he was ceding so much power, he was a weak king. And he decided that the way to show that he wasn't a weak king was to launch a military campaign in Scotland. Um, so they tried that and the Scots just refused to fight them. Yeah, wasn't this, this was like... Robert the Bruce. 1308, yeah, this is under Robert the Bruce, isn't it? We're, we're getting close to Bannockburn. We army, are getting so. close to Bannockburn, but um, Edward, yeah, he, him and Gaveston were joint military commanders in this, and they went north, basically. We'll win a quick war against the Scots, and then all the nobles will be on side with us again. Yeah, and they was... marched up there, and Robert the Bruce just went, well, I know you've got for a fact, massive army. <laughs> yeah, you've got 26,000 men. You're not going to be able to feed them for more than a couple of months. We're just going to not engage you in battle until eventually all of your soldiers go home. And that's what happened. So it wasn't even like they lost a military campaign. They went to have a military campaign and the other side just didn't want to play war that Mm -hmm. year. So they had to come back with their tails between their legs. And of course, having spent a shit ton of money. Yeah, I mean, couldn't they have just like despoiled some places if there was no army to fight? Or they trying to be chivalrous or something. Mm -hmm. Chivalrous. But don't worry, because we're on the third exile. It was just as short as the others. And by 1312, <laughs> Gaveston was back in England with Edward, enjoying a holiday in York. And, and it, this was the point at which the nobles had finally had enough. They were like, this this guy, we, we keep trying to get rid of him, and he's going to keep coming back. I think at this point they realised that they were going to have to get rid of him a bit more permanently. They were, they were fighting the power of love. Yes. It's very famously a force from above. <laughs> well, that, uh, you know, that bleeds the soul. So. <laughs> well, it was, they were very sure that they wanted to make sure that, you know, there was nothing that Edward could do to bring back Piers. Yeah. So, we're talking bleeding the body here. <laughs> yes. Uh, he was abducted from Scarborough. <laughs> even then, Scarborough, terrible place for a holiday. Yeah. Uh, it, even then, it was a terrible place for a holiday. Uh, less abductions nowadays, though, to be fair. More chaffs, but less abductions. Well, they, t- they took him from Scarborough, and he was taken to a little village called Leek Wotton, <laughs> where, fittingly, he was handed over to two Welshmen. Oh, yeah. Who well, had agreed. At least they're keeping it thematic. Yeah. They'd agreed to execute him. One of the Welshmen stabbed him in the heart, while the other one beheaded him just to make sure. So they <laughs> at, the, decided, at the same time. That's yeah. risky, man. It's like, okay, okay, okay. We've got to time this really well because if you're too like enthusiastic on the beheading swing, you're going to get me while I'm stabbing him in the heart. <laughs> it was, we've got to murder him twice because I think they were worried if they only murdered him the once, he Edward would back. find a way <laughs> to still have Gaveston. And mm. that, that would be it. But, you know, they finally managed it. 1312, they've got rid of peers and maybe now whose who's, who's only real crime was being the boyfriend of the king of england yeah like he well, never i mean we don't know we, you know we don't know the full story but mm-hmm. like it seems like he probably didn't manipulate you know beyond just being like i want to be with you and you want to mm-hmm. be with me i think also he did enjoy the power and edward well didn't i mean mind giving him that to, power to paraphrase that um the bad guy from the Simpsons movie. Have you tried going mad without power? <laughs> no one listens to you. It's terrible. <laughs> That's fair enough. I mean, I just think if he'd have said, you know, when Edward said, and you're going to run the country while I go and get married, if he said, do you know what, Edward? Maybe, maybe. I could be your best man. <laughs> yeah, I'll go with you. And the barons could do that. And then they'd like you. Yeah. And they might sort of allow us to have what we have. 
Okay, but I'm going when... to I'm going to roll on a generous interpretation and say his only crimes were loving the King of England and being loved by the King of England, mm. and possibly what, thinking that that way? put him in a place of safety. I mean, by the time you've been yeah. recalled from exile four times, you kind of just it must feel like a game. Yeah. Like, okay, I'll go over to Ireland. Whoop, I'm back. <laughs> okay, where am I going this time? It, it might have been using it as like his summer holidays. I mean, yeah. if you're getting exiled once every couple of years, that literally is your holiday. <laughs> and then you come back. But yeah. either way, the barons had got rid of him now. Yeah. Poor he, old Piers. He did. Yeah, he did. And Edward distraught. Edward, yeah, he's distraught. But they're thinking, right, Edward's got to pick a new, a new some new advisors, and hopefully now we can convince him to make a good choice. If the barons thought that getting rid of Gavston would improve England, uh, Edward's leadership, they were sadly mistaken. The English were defeated by the Scots at the Battle of Bannockburn, and the following year... Mark the start of the Great Famine, thirteen fifteen to thirteen seventeen. You can't put you can't put the famine on the leadership of the king. Like the the, the whole point of the feudal system is, and you deal with the crops. I I provide the leadership. <laughs> I think it was more the optics. It was you know we finally got rid of this guy. Now we can we can sort of mold Edward into yeah. being a competent figurehead and ruler. And immediately there's a humiliating defeat to Scotland. And then immediately after that, there's a famine where yeah. lots of people are dying. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh dear. I'm going to be honest, it, the barons never had a chance because if, if Edward I, who was like literally the hardest man in the whole of medieval England ever, like, like, he, he was famously big, strong, manly, and he conquered Wales and Scotland in one lifetime, which is considering, you know, the speed at which everything happened in medieval um, times, ridiculously, a ridiculous achievement. (laughs) If he couldn't mould this, if he couldn't mould Edward II into any form of, any figure of like, you know, reasonable authority figure, some barons who couldn't, you know, get it together 12 years to murder one gay dude. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't have a chance. These were just teething troubles, to be fair, because they were getting on an even keel again in 1318. And they thought, do you know what? All that's behind us. Let's just have a couple of decades of normalcy. We'll pretend that whole Scotland business didn't happen. We, yeah. we didn't lose a third of the kingdom, no. That's fine. <laughs> um, when Edward announced that he had a new special friend in yeah. Hugh Dispenser. <laughs> He's called Hugh Dispenser. Yes. Who, what did um, he dispense? Do I want to know? Did Edward know? <laughs> I don't know what Hugh did dispense, but he began taking quite a lot of power um possibly other things the barons of course because they only have one go-to move when edward announces he has a special friend they tried forcing uh hugh into exile in 1321 <laughs> and of course edward is edward so he immediately reversed the exile and oh brought hugh back no one learns any lessons uh, the barons of course were not willing to mess around this time and a civil war quickly broke out another one uh, so many unreported civil wars in history. Yeah, well, this one actually failed. Which, what? Uh, How can a civil war fail? Well, no, I mean, uh, All you have failed. to do is stab someone. It's a civil war. <laughs> and, <laughs> no, they had a civil war, sorry. When I say the civil war failed, it happened. But the barons, despite the fact that they'd been worried about Edward being a weak monarch yeah. who couldn't rule the kingdom because of his special lost. friends, lost to Edward. Boss. But that's all right, because the good people of Coventry... Hmm. Well, 28 of them, actually. Uh, That might have been everyone in Coventry. Population figures for the medieval times are famously unreliable. The the 28 people of Coventry, they had a different plan in mind that they were going to try to sort this problem out. (laughs) That's bold. (laughs) There's a whole nation and all these bloody Midlanders come to you. I reckon I can figure this out. Yeah, I reckon. Let's get together, Big big Dave and Mikey. We can all sort it out. (laughs) Well, they did. They clubbed together. And they went to see a local magician called John of Nottingham, who was living in Coventry, confusingly. <laughs> John of Nottingham. Yeah. And they asked him... <laughs> I'm the great wizard, John. <laughs> of Nottingham. Yes. In the traditions of Merlin and all the others. Morgan Le Fay. John! <laughs> well, maybe John was cheap, but he was definitely... He was living in the outskirts of Coventry. So uh, it may have been a, a magician of convenience uh, that they were looking for. But they asked him if he wouldn't mind using some black magic to kill Hugh Dispenser. 
Oh well, I've, that's about the level of thinking I've expected from the from the men of Coventry. Well, <laughs> and then they had a little think about it, and they thought actually probably we can get a discount job lot. So they said, well, can you kill Hugh? Can mm-hmm. you kill Hugh's dad? Can you kill the king and the prior <laughs> wow. of Coventry? If you wouldn't mind as well. This is this kill- is this this has got the feeling of like. Um, you need like somebody trying to do a people's revolutionary council, but it's and he's like he's, he's got like there's one educated bloke and he's got pure and noble aims, but everybody else is just there to be like yeah and get my neighbour too. He's always profiteering off the fence. <laughs> well, it's funny you should say that. So they got a hit list of four people. Yeah. So they've got Hugh, Hugh's dad. Hugh's dad. Why his dad? What's that got I'm to do with anything? His dad was helping with Hugh's politicking. I I almost imagine that Hugh's dad was almost like Hugh's pimp. <laughs> and was kind of using young, sexy Hugh to try and amass power for the, for the dispenser family. Do you want to go on my sand, do you? Do you, Molly? <laughs> They'd obviously... Oh, look at him. <laughs> the people of Coventry had worked out that killing Hugh and killing Hugh's dad wasn't going to be enough because the king would just find another friend to, to share power with. So we've got to get Fine. rid of the king as well. Did, did they suspect that the prior of Coventry? Is it the prior of Coventry? I, I think the prior of Coventry was just raising local taxes. Oh, right, okay. And so it was like... And while we're at it... <laughs> let's make our lives easier, too. Yeah, let's take out the Prior of Coventry. So they've got four, yeah? <laughs> okay. John agreed. He was like, that, that's fine. And he set <laughs> no, about... No worries, man. I can do that. No problem. <laughs> and he set about, with his assistant, Robert Marshall, to make some magical effigies... <laughs> John and Bob, the magicians of... <laughs> <laughs> this is appalling. <laughs> Continue. What if I became a magician? Joe the magician. It. It, my magical would, skill I, should I'm not be, be judged by my very, very pedestrian name. Yeah, Thank you very on. much. It is, though, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 you know, no top magician's going to call themselves a normal name. You've got to change it. Look well, at all the look at all the great, you know, fictional magicians. Well, maybe I could use my middle name. I mean, that's mysterious enough. Douglas. So anyway, John and his assistant Robert Marshall. Yes. John and Robert. They set about making magical effigies of the intended target. So they made four small um, puppets, if you will. Mm. Because, you know, voodoo practices apparently were invented in Coventry. Um, but before he got to the regicide, John, he decided he wanted to make sure he got the magic right, which you would. You don't want to embarrass yourself yeah, by att- <laughs> attempting regicide via dark magic and it not happening. <laughs> So he also made an effigy of a local man called Richard DeLoe. We do not know what DeLoe had done to annoy the magician, but it was enough that he was going to be used as a test subject for potential murder. I mean, I mean, strong, strong confidence from John of Nottingham, who presumably, given that magic isn't actually real, has never killed anyone with magic before. He's he's agreed to do four people, and he's so like he's he genuinely believes it's going to happen. So he's thrown in a fifth. Like, it's, well, I wonder. You've got if to admire it, the balls. I wonder if it was a get out clause. It's like okay, I'll agree to it, and then he's just going to try it on. You know, I mean, Rob down the road, mm. and when Rob doesn't die, he's going to go. Oh well, apparently I don't have the skills for this. I'm just going to go back to doing. What I normally do. Your generic curses. Yeah. Finding lost dogs. <laughs> you you need a more powerful wizard. Maybe if you go and speak to, you know, Steve of Colchester, he'll be able to sort you out. <laughs> or failing that, go and see Noel of Bristol. Noel. He's really good. No, I think I feel like Noel's a too extravagant name for this network of well, that's how you boringly know named wizards. <laughs> he's getting up there. Noel's like, he's moving his way up. So anyway. yeah, he, he, he used to be Dan of Rochester, but he's, he's moved on. <laughs> so he made the little effigy of Richard DeLoe. Mm. He went, right, here goes nothing. Got two nails, hammered one into the head and one into the heart of his little doll. And yes. DeLoe reportedly fell down dead. No way. It worked. <laughs> I feel bad now. I feel like I'm, maybe I'll be looking over my shoulder for John of Nottingham's ghost. Or well, we, we don't know. Delo may have deserved it. We'll never know if he did or not. <laughs> we have no idea what he did. Yeah, but it was enough to be killed via black magic. So, you know, always tip your waiter. Um, <laughs> you never know when they're going to nail a hammer, nail a hammer, hammer a nail into an effigy of you, Jesus. Well, the thing is, at this point, like voodoo, to be honest. Yeah, at this point, seeing the voodoo curse come to life, <laughs> Robert Marshall, he was starting to have second thoughts because he probably thought the job of assistant to a wizard was essentially 
humour an old man. <laughs> you know, it, was, it yeah. was the equivalent of care work <laughs> back in the day. And he saw Delo drop down dead and he freaked out. Understandably freaked yeah. out. I would freak out as well. <laughs> he did not want to be implicated in killing kings or king's friends. Or uh, the Prior of Coventry. Or, well, I don't think he cared. No one liked the Prior of Coventry. Okay? <laughs> that guy's a jerk. <laughs> the guy was a dick. But, you know, you can't go killing a king. Um, so he went and he confessed the plot to the authorities. Mm. Yeah. I feel like that might not be... I mean, I, you know, we'll see how it goes, but I don't feel like that would have been a smart move because historically the church in a confession of witchcraft scenario would have been like, you did the right thing. And now we will burn you to make sure you go to heaven. <laughs> For no extra charge. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is a service we offer unto you. <laughs> well, this is, the, this is the thing. It didn't go to um, a church trial. It went to a secular trial. And it did, it did go That's to trial. Uh, but John and his backers were found not guilty of murdering DeLo. Wow, uh, really? And there were also no charges brought about regarding the plot to kill the king. So there was no there was no law they could point to. It wasn't illegal to make a doll of the king. And as he hadn't done anything to the doll of the king that he'd made, there was, there was no, no actual yeah. magic attempt yet. So yeah, you, Wow. I mean, yeah. I, like, props to the old English court system because that's actually pretty advanced for the time. Like, Oh, don't worry. There's, there's time for them to take a few mighty steps back. Yeah. So we can be confident it wasn't as a result of necromantic pact made with demons and tortured souls on the outskirts of Coventry. But within two years, an invasion led in part by Edward's own wife, Isabella. You'll remember he had got married. Yeah, was she was sick of, a bit sick of being put yeah. aside for Piers and Hugh. Well, she, she led, a, a, you know, essentially another civil war and she succeeded in capturing both the king and Hugh Dispenser. <laughs> After a show trial... Hugh, who, mm. let's face it, was the second um, mistress... Mastress. That, <laughs> mastress that Isabella had to put, put, put up with. Um, after a show trial, he was hung until nearly dead. Then his penis was cut off and burned in front of him. Then his bowels re- were removed slowly, uh. and they made a point of slowly <laughs> before they finally cut out his heart and threw it on a fire. After Is that, it, he was quartered and his head was stuck on a pipe for good measure because Isabella had put up play. with a lot <laughs> and she wanted to make a clear sign for any new prospective special friend. You, right. d- you didn't want to go down that road. <laughs> so to speak. Well, definitely. I mean, Take the old dirt road. <laughs> and Edward was forced through tears. Yeah to abdicate in favour of his and Isabella's son, Edward III. Oh, so he'd actually managed to, well... Mm, yeah, and he know, was, I suppose, as, as I believe you, you pointed out, would happen to someone who was uh, a king who was um, heavily implicated in uh, homosexual behaviour. He was put in a castle in exile, Berkeley Castle, uh, but he didn't stay there long because he was murdered a few months later, quietly. <laughs> It's the old it's the old way of getting rid of a king. You put them somewhere for safekeeping and then once people have kind of forgot about it, they're all giddy about the new coronation, you have them quietly murdered. Oh dear, he tripped and fell onto this knife seventeen times. Now, there are suggestions that he was killed by a red hot poker being inserted into his anus. I mean, after what happened to Hugh, that definitely sounds like Isabel's style. Mm. Definitely. Well, if it was Isabel, she would have done it herself. Um, <laughs> she was that kind of bitch. <laughs> but looking um, at historians much better than me, I mean, people who are actually historians, they think it's, <laughs> it's probably a rumour linked to the suspected clear homosexuality. Mm-hmm. Right. So his son, Edward III, he was a much more competent king and was well-liked throughout his 50-year reign. But he oh, obviously... 50 years? That's, that's a long well, he started as a, a, a baby, essentially. Oh, right. Oh, fair enough. Because, you know, his, his dad had to leave. <laughs> And, and be killed for the good of the for the good of the kingdom. I wonder if they kept it quiet or if he knew. Well, you know, uh, as he was growing up. Well, I mean, he, he obviously just, knew something about what had gone on, uh, specifically the potential mystical influence on the end of his father's reign, because in 1351 he passed the statute of treason. Hmm. Now, amongst the ob- obvious ops 
treasonable offences of waging war against the king, aiding those waging war against the king, and of course, the big one, violating the king's companion. <laughs> really? Yep. Although, weirdly, there was no there was no sex attached yeah, to that. Yeah, I was going to say, was there a gender qualification? No, there was no gender qualification. Also, counted into that, you couldn't um, violate the um, daughter of the king. Right. So, basically, he was he, he, he got protective dad written onto the statue books. Yeah. Uh, but there was also an offence specifically for imagining the death of the king. It was treasonable to imagine the death of the king or to make any unauthorised image of the king. That's it, clever. If that statute had been in place when John of Nottingham had been doing his thing, then the trial would have been um, quite short and it would have ended with him being hung, drawn and quartered alongside 28 other people from Coventry. Which, as I believe we said, was the, possibly the entire population of Coventry. Yeah, so Coventry would have been wiped off the map if this had been on the statute books 20 years earlier. Damn it, Edward. <laughs> you came so close to achieving greatness. <laughs> But it is also the reason that forging currency was considered to be treason. So when we look through all the forgery oh. cases and you go, why, why is that high treason? It's because of this particular statute. Oh, that's, that's really interesting, actually. I'd never considered it very... Oh, why would you consider it from the angle of... No, 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 don't worry about, you know, diluting the currency of the realm and possibly causing hyperinflation and all the rest of it. It's about the picture of the king. It's about, it's in case nuts. you you make, a, you know, a forged... Vo- you make a voodoo doll of the king... And you might stab it, so mm. you're not allowed to mint coins. This <laughs> is perfectly logical. <laughs> well, the new offence of imagining the death of the king wouldn't be tested for 90 years, because well, like we say, Edward III, he was liked. Yeah. <laughs> but 90 years later, in 1441, it was Henry VI on the throne. Yeah. He was still over a decade away from his first major breakdown, uh, but things weren't going well. Oh, was he the one who ended up nuts wandering around a castle and, like, completely he, irrelevant? And it, it led was, to all that he, gubbins yeah. with that other episode we did. Yeah, he, he, was, he was directly involved in the Plantagenet saga as the, the show king who'd been left in a tower until yeah. he was incredibly agoraphobic. But oh, this, with, with, with Eleanor, the, the crazy woman yeah, who was like, yeah, yeah. This yeah, is yeah. way before all of that. Right, 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 right. Like I say, he hadn't even had his first breakdown yet. <laughs> um, but things weren't going well vis-a-vis the Hundred Years' War and losing quite a lot of territory to France. Uh, And Henry was probably aware of the growing dissatisfaction from the nobles about this losing territory and potential profits and things. Did did he he decide to have a crackdown? Because that always goes well. Well, no, he was just incredibly paranoid. Because (laughs) that's that's the kind of guy he was. Um, It turns out, very rightly so, yeah, um, it's with not what actually if they are to. out to get you, as the <laughs> phrase goes. Well, next in line to the throne at the time was his uncle, Humphrey, Duke of Gloucester. Humph. <laughs> Humphrey? Thank yeah. God he never sat the throne. Well, King Humph. King. Humphrey, he had, he had a lot of kudos because he had fought at Agincourt with his brother, Henry V. Nice. He was well-liked by both the nobles and the common folk of London. Mm-hmm. Because and, they're the only common folk that matter, Jesus. And, you know, Henry, Henry VI was considering him to be a bit of a potential threat. And that threat was only more potent following his marriage to his second wife, Eleanor Cobham. Mm. Names to run away from really quickly. (laughs) Well, Eleanor was, was, she she was the kind of person who wanted power. (laughs) She'd actually started off as a lady-in-waiting for Humphrey's first wife, Jacqueline, Countess of Holland. Countess Uh, of Holland? Countess? Yeah, uh, yeah, Countess of Haino and Holland. Mm. Uh, But quickly... She'd ins- she's insinuated away and she'd become mistress, which I, I don't know if that's a promotion from lady-in-waiting or just you're changing your allegiance from the, you know... Crabbed it sideways a bit. <laughs> yeah. So she'd become a mistress and was possibly the mother of his two illegitimate offspring. Well, I mean, probably. <laughs> I mean, how... <laughs> Do you have an official mistress and then, like, several unofficial mistresses? Like, I, I suppose... You may have had several powerful... official mistresses, but... Yeah, it when was... you're a powerful Jew, you can get away The rumour mill said that Eleanor um, had had two um, bastard children to Humphrey. Fitz Humphreys. And she was able, <laughs> yeah, to convince uh, Humphrey to annul his first marriage after Jacqueline had a stillborn child, probably by suggesting that he already knew she was a surefire bet, and if he legitimised her, he she could provide a, a, a legitimate heir, who yeah. 
would have been third in line to the throne. So it's quite important at the time mm-hmm. to have something there. Uh, like we say, she's ruthlessly ambitious and she was willing to seize any opportunity to improve her standing, mm. even if it involved messing with forbidden magic. Really? Yeah. Oh <laughs> she was going to leave no stone unturned. She had hired herself a personal clerk called Roger Bolingbrook. Roger the wizard. Right, wizard for, Roger. For, for, for real, for real, that like was was it like deliberate? <laughs> All these people were like they'll never suspect me. My name, it's so boring. No, no, no. Well, Roger, Roger, he had a a day job for a Roger. He was known primarily for his skills as a mathematician and astrologer. However, mm. that wasn't what Eleanor wanted him for. She wanted him for his other skill set because he'd studied Latin at Oxford. And he decided to use some of his off time to have a peek at some of the books on occultism. Curiosity. Yeah. And they were all, at that point, written in Latin. He'd Uh, been and studied Latin, so he was one of the few people who could actually read them. Him and monks. I knew those monks were shifty. (laughs) Yeah. England England was still very much a Catholic country at this time, so it's quite a dangerous thing to do. But he kept it on the DL. He was was not crowing about it. Yeah. And, you know, he, he able to... Well, he was in the household of the second in line, to, you know, the first in line to the throne after the king, so he'd he'd done well. But at some point, he'd let slip to Eleanor that he knew how to have a chat with dead people, and she <laughs> thought about it for a while, and she came up with a plan as to how she could improve her situation even further. So she can. I'm all ears because I I can't really think of anyone who could help her who's already dead. (laughs) Well, what she did was she convinced Roger and her personal doctor, Thomas Southwell, to use necromancy, which is in this case talking to the dead, not raising the dead, to cast a horoscope predicting the future of King Henry. Right. Possibly her intention was to use this secret knowledge of what's going to happen in his future to increase the influence that her husband would hold at court. So if she knew what was going to happen, Mm. she could feed this to her husband who could then give the the king good advice. Yeah, or possibly she was looking for when Henry was going to die. Yeah, and when the the king saw that, you know, he he was right on everything because she was feeding him this information, it would, yeah, raise their standing at court and he would be happy you know, to, to give more and more power to, to his uncle yeah, as a trusted advisor. Roger, he did what he was asked, and he went off, and I don't know how, I'm guessing candles were involved, probably some <laughs> skulls. salt, skulls, skulls maybe. <laughs> but he managed to summon some spirits to tell him the future <laughs> of the king. Roger says he did. Was, so what, what I'm saying is that Roger went out into some woods, ate a whole bunch of flyer Garrick, and tripped his balls off for a few hours. And that's how you meet the demons. Uh, <laughs> but imagine his surprise when the spirits told him that Henry was going to suffer a very serious illness later that very same year and was likely to die. Mm. Now, I mean, it's embarrassing, but it did have the upside that it meant that his patron, the person who was paying him money, would end up Queen of England. So how, she, how, she'd probably how, be happy about the news. How unusual yeah. <laughs> that, that somebody paying him money to receive weird news got exactly the weird news that they would want. How mm. I just It's such a mad coincidence, that. <laughs> Isn't it? And it's, it's likely that Roger, he just saw... He, he knew what she wanted from him. And he, yeah. rather than just giving her... Well, first of all, he probably couldn't cast a horoscope. So rather than trying to feed her advice that she'd then have to act on, he just gave her a, you know... Everything's going to be fine, don't worry yeah, about it. Yeah, you you don't actually have to do anything. You just sit tight and you'll be queen within a year. I Pay me the I money think, now. Just, just to wind it back slightly, I don't know where the logic of dead people know the future comes from. Why, why would that be? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, but we're talking about, you know, communing Wizardry. with the dead yeah, and wizards. <laughs> you know, called John and Roger. And Robert, <laughs> the secret band of this—it's it's like, it's like wizardry in England at this point was just like like a trade. <laughs> it's like, it does appear to be so. so. <laughs> the guild of plumbers and wizards <laughs> and allied trades. Well, Eleanor, she she was happy. She was really happy with the horoscope. Oh, it was good. it was better than she could have imagined. Hmm. But she was so happy with it, she couldn't she couldn't keep it in. And at some point, she told someone, we don't know who, but that someone 
they were also obviously in the mood to sort of increase their standing and increase their power. And they I mean, went straight to the court to tell the king. I feel like everybody probably was. Like, you don't get to be that close to power without scheming. You, you know, hardly anyone is born into, like, advisorship or close confidantship. You know what I mean? Like, mm. that's something that, you know, you start off in the middle rank and you scheme your way up, isn't it? Oh, well, this schemer schemed well because Henry <laughs> was very miffed that there were people predicting his Im- imminent death. Not just his death, his imminent death. <laughs> and he decided he needed to have a word with these sorcerers, with these magicians. So he had Bolingbroke and Southwell arrested on the charge of high treason of imagining the death of the king. Hmm. He also had his own astrologers complete their own horoscopes using non-necromancy techniques. And would you believe that their horoscopes, these people who were paid by the king, <laughs> they found that the king was not about to die. He was, in fact, going to win every battle and live to a million years old. <laughs> yeah, weirdly, they didn't predict his breakdowns, his 15 years locked up in a castle and his being used as a pawn um, before being murdered quietly shit. in his bed. Um, <laughs> I'd have been quite impressed if they had, to be honest. You know what? Let's, let's, you know, we weren't there. Give them both it out. Maybe they did, and they all had a conflag, and they were like, we can't tell him this. This is, oh, this is bloody awful. <laughs> He'll kill us. Right, but just, let's let's just, think about it. What did he actually ask us? He asked us, will he die this year? No, we can, no, he won't. <laughs> we can give him that answer. He'll be happy with that answer. Everything else just would only upset him. And we know burn. he's apparently going to have a breakdown. We don't want to bring it on quicker. But burn the scrolls. In about five years, we'll all take our leave and say we want to travel somewhere and get out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> would you mind sending us over to, I don't know, um, Ireland? Oh, no, Calais. You'll still have Calais. What do you mean? Ca- you'll still have Calais. They pay no attention. No, no, no. What I just said. We want to go to Calais, one of your many remaining French holdings. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, my liege. Yeah. I'd go even further. I'd be like, we're going to China to study more magic back in 10 years. We need to borrow some gold. Bye. <laughs> it will help you. Um, so, realising he was in some trouble, you know, having been arrested and marched to the Tower of London. And accused of high treason. <laughs> Does, if, doesn't have a long list of potential outcomes, that one. Yeah. Bolingbroke started to suspect he may be in a little difficulty. Uh, he decided... <laughs> to lay all the blame onto Eleanor. Fair enough. That's a really bold choice. Well, he said she had commanded him to consult the spirits against his own wishes, but as part of that same treason law, you were expected to follow the commands of your seniors. Ah, so he was caught in a sort of massive dilemma there. Well, I think what he was trying to do was he knew which law was going to be used against him because he'd been accused of high treason. So knowing that law as he did, he said, well... I I was put in an impossible situation because I was going to either do what she asked and commit treason or not do what she asked and commit treason. I mean, you think in that um, sort of option, you commit the less treasonable treason. And then immediately go run to the king's men and tell them everything that's happened. But yeah, it's not the worst defence. I could see it going your way if you could... I don't know, maybe bribe one judge or something. Well, it, it, it was the only card he had to play, so... Yeah, for, Yeah, he fair, played he had it. nothing left in the tank, that's true. And, and for, you know, for her part, Eleanor, she played along beautifully. Uh, she admitted to it. No, she acted very guiltily, though, um, oh. by fleeing to Westminster Abbey and claiming sanctuary, which, of course, all innocent people do. <laughs> immediately. Wow. <laughs> yeah, fairly damning. Yeah, so it's... It's good, you know. He's thinking, I've said it was all her fault, and she has immediately, instead of going, oh, no, 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 I never asked him to do this, he's just trying to save his neck, she ran to Westminster Abbey and went, Sanctuary, you can't kill me for the treason I definitely didn't do. Damn. <laughs> she must have had a letter or something. <laughs> That's not the action. Like, like the, the, the move of someone who's in power as she was, because, mm. you know, wife of number two and number one in line to the throne after the king. Yeah. powerful position she could have just be like no this povo is lying kill him like <laughs> no one would have argued really probably I mean I think it, it could have happened that Richard would have been granted mercy I mean after all the king now had a great excuse to reduce the power and influence of his popular uncle because True. even 
he didn't even have to accuse his uncle directly. He could just sort of insinuate, well, look at the kind of people that my uncle has surrounded himself with. <laughs> you know, look at what they do. They yeah. they cavort with spirits and demons and they do this, that and the other. Yeah. Um, and Eleanor was the perfect scapegoat. Yeah, I mean, she, she doesn't even have a, a, a sympathetic backstory, does she? It's like... No, she schemed her way to the top. Yeah, it, it, it immediately becomes like, well... He put aside his wife for her, you know. Maybe there was some uh, of the old involved. It's funny you should mention that. Oh, really? Because <laughs> that, that wasn't me, like, deliberately planning. I don't know anything about this story, so I, I'm, I'm pleased with myself. But yeah, because Eleanor, she started talking to the priests because she was in Westminster Abbey, and oh. a bit like um, Julian Assange in that embassy, she had nowhere to go, so she started just chatting to the priests. Uh, and she decided, after a while, that she would confess to some other sins uh, one of those being that as well as asking her staff to perform sorcery on her behalf she was also in the habit of consulting with witches Eleanor said that why, she had been why, why would she think this would go well for her <laughs> I'm not seeing the logic here but continue sorry I think sorry. she was just you know she was just bored and priests are there and you know I mean you you uh, met a Catholic priest you had to to get married mm. you spend enough time with a priest and you kind of feel like Actually, you should confess. Actually, that's not true. We, we didn't get married in a Catholic, so we got married in a... In a no, but I believe ceremony. I believe you were planning to get married in a Catholic service, and you you did meet with a priest, didn't you? Oh, yeah, very, yeah. A, wow, yeah, it was a long time yeah. ago. I completely forgotten about that, yeah. But if you spend enough time with a priest, you, you feel the compulsion to confess something. You feel like you've got to give them something. And she was there for a long time. They you know? have a guilt aura that, act, that activates at six foot. Yeah. And she she eventually succumbed to that and said, I also talked to witches. And they went, okay, um, would you like to Get elaborate on that? And she did. She did want to elaborate. She said that she'd been having a witch called Marjorie Jordamain, also known as the Witch of the Eye, uh, make her potions to help her conceive. She also oh, said wow. that she'd known Marjorie for at least 10 years. And this was unfortunate in terms of admissions go because Marjorie had mm. been arrested nine years ago accused of plotting to kill the king mm. with witchcraft. She'd been released, amazingly, but on strict instruction to be good and definitely not do any more witchcraft. <laughs> I feel like, obviously, the picture I've got of justice, or, you know, quote-unquote justice in in medieval England is clearly wrong because I just thought it was brutal, harsh and disgusting. But there seems to be lots of people getting off on like technicalities and like because people couldn't be arsed and like Yeah, when once you get to the upper classes, the amount of um outside of wars, the amount of actual uh, sort of killings and you know, that it was very, very low because it was all about positioning and jockeying for position everyone right, kind of right. knew the rules so, so shame shame was better than actually killing people yeah yeah if, if someone lost their position at court then all of those people that would normally talk to them would normally associate with them it's like what's the point in associating with you your tainted goods so it was almost a self-fulfilling prophecy where they'd right. be able to keep their holdings but they'd have no influence right and right, it would right. take generations for that stigma to go so you'd almost you, you castrated them just by making Socially the shit speaking, stick yeah but yeah but the problem here was she'd she instead of just being able to say, well, yeah, you know, maybe I did, maybe right. I did ask them to do a horoscope as a bit of a a lark, but I didn't expect them to come back and tell me that, you know, this is a first offence, my lord. I've it's not, all got a bit out of hand. I'm yeah, she went. Sorry, no, yeah, yeah. I've been talking to a witch. I've known her for ten years. She's a great sort. And then they've looked back through the records and gone, you mean you mean this witch that we arrested for treason <laughs> nine years ago. So <laughs> after you met her oh, and God. after you'd, you'd been spending time with her and, you know, before you married your husband as well. Yeah, correlation ain't causation, but it sure adds it up. It doesn't help. Well, the association <laughs> made it seem that everyone involved was part of a large and long-standing plot to do harm to the king. A suspicion only strengthened when Marjorie was questioned. <laughs> so they, they caught the witch and they questioned yeah. her and they said, have you been making potions for, for Eleanor? And she went, yeah, yeah, I have. Wow. Um, but rather than saying that she'd been making her potions to help her conceive, she went, yeah, 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 I made her love potions in order to coerce Humphrey to set aside his wife and marry her. Oh, goddamn. So, so the witch didn't get the memo that we're, we're doing it innocently. We're trying to make, you know, more nobles. Yeah. It was, oh, this yeah, yeah. You, this is why you can't do conspiracies on the fly. <laughs> 
Well, that's oh. what we're learning. But <laughs> I, I like to imagine her as a very sort of um, down to earth, just very straightforward. Going, oh yeah, I did that for her. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So, someone, someone who's very basic just doesn't doesn't understand that. Like they know that what they're doing is right, and they don't understand why anyone would think it was wrong. <laughs> so th- things weren't looking good, and Roger probably thought the worst when he was forced to stand before the crowds on a scaffold. His instruments of mathematics and astrology on display around him. So they <laughs> because got to this... the crowd, that would have looked like wizard crap. Yes, yeah, <laughs> a pretty much. A tractor, a compass. <gasps> Keep it back, it's satanic. <laughs> That's literally, they had it all around him, and he probably thought, this is it. They made him confess to everything. Right. Uh, he then was forced to renounce his diabolical ways and beg forgiveness. <laughs> then don't do any more maths. <laughs> but, you know, he's probably thinking this is all just part of it, and at some point... <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I mean, for treason, it would be hang until nearly dead, drawn and quartered, wouldn't it? So. Oh, yeah, we're still Oof. in the old ways. He's probably just Worst hoping, don't ever. chop off my penis. Don't. Cho- I don't want to be a hue. <laughs> don't dispenser me. Uh, but they led him off to a cell. He'd wow. been up on the scaffold. He'd done all of this stuff, probably wet himself, crying uncontrollably. And then they handed him his set square back and ushered him <laughs> back to a cell. You could do a bit of maths. Go yeah. on. <laughs> Go on. We know it makes you happy. You've had a tough morning, haven't you, Roger? Yeah, it's been been emotional. (laughs) I'd like to thank my mum and my dad for doing awards speech. Uh, Marjorie, she was also brought out to give a public confession. However, once she was done with hers Mm. on the same day, uh, they took her to Smithfield where they burnt her alive. Yeah. To be fair, it was her second treasonable offence. So yeah, I, I didn't see her getting out of that yeah. one. She, she, she didn't help herself She'd been by so forthcoming. being a witch. I think she was probably very, very surprised. <laughs> you know, even when they were going, you know, we're, we're setting fire to this now. Said, no, you're not. It's fine. What's Unless a little it's... witchcraft amongst friends? She was burnt. That's the end. Marjorie yeah. does not come back. The witch of the eye died in Smithfield Market. Because mm. where else are you going to burn a witch? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's not. It's not the place. Yeah, the food preparation place. Well, to be honest, the the problem there is, Hmm. you you're in that sort of place with all the food. At some point, she would have been perfectly cooked. Yeah, I've actually. It's interesting. I I watched a show. I can't remember what it was, but it was a some. It was an American show. At some point, they'd found burned bodies. A documentary, Mm. and and the car and the 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 policeman was saying like. um, like, like we've been working around it for like six hours, and all of a sudden, I realised that my mouth was watering because I could smell this, and it smelled exactly like pork crackling. And I realised it was human flesh. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, you're. And I went and did point. a sick. <laughs> More because I, I felt I should. I actually really <laughs> wanted to eat it. So anyway, following damning confessions um, from both the witch of the eye and Roger, uh, Eleanor, she was forced to spend a week walking through London barefoot with a shaved head in pens for act for her actions so each day they would take her to a different area of london and they would force mm. her to walk barefoot through Oof. yeah through the unopened sewer that was medieval yeah. london well, i mean you know it's, not much has changed <laughs> with the, she had a small escort to make sure that she wasn't you know lynched but yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure they allowed them to throw the shit at her um <laughs> Her doctor, Southwell, he'd already died in the tower whilst giving his confession. Because mm. I don't think he was giving the confession quite fast enough and they used pilly winks and such to speed, <laughs> speed that confession up. Uh, and they sped it up too much. <laughs> That's the problem. problem with torture. You've got to get it just right. right. But Roger, he's still awaiting his sentence. Oh, yeah, he is. Yeah, fair point. And seeing as how they'd already burned Marjorie mm. and now Eleanor was being punished, you know... It was almost they had to like do something to him, yeah. Yeah, he, no. Well, he was probably thinking, you know, they they burnt the witch who was the lowest class person. Then they got to me, and I was forced to stand on the scaffold, and they sort of forced me to confess and all of this, and then they led me back to the tower, and now they've moved on to her. Maybe I'm okay. <laughs> Maybe he was just ready for the quiet life. He was thinking, yeah. you know, maybe I'll stay in this cell. Eventually, maybe they might agree me to a sort of locked apartment. I could do some maths. Yeah, work. I've got my set square. <laughs> I'm okay. So he he had that moment of hope that I've already they've they've done what they wanted to do with yeah. me. Yeah, I see but that. they're I see focusing on the ladies 
and I think we've already said in this episode, apologies to all women throughout, throughout history. history. <laughs> um, however, at the end of the week, on the Saturday, as Eleanor was being informed of her divorce, because, <laughs> yeah, Humph, he decided he wasn't sticking by that, yeah, uh, I mean... and being shipped off for life imprisonment at Chester Castle, Roger was dragged in front of a court at the London Guildhall and informed that he'd been found guilty of multiple treasonable crimes. He was then mm. popped on a hurdle, dragged four miles to the Tyburn tree, where he was hung, drawn and quartered. Oh, they went full brutal. Yeah, Good. his head was put on a spike on London Bridge, and the four bits of his body were sent to York, Oxford, Cambridge and Hereford. Yeah. Which of these isn't like the others? Um, well, Cambridge is an absolute hole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as a warning to everyone that Henry VI would not put up with any black magic stopping him from ruling England. <laughs> yeah, all the university towns, I know. <laughs> Apart from Hereford, obviously. Yeah. Uh, amazing. What the hell was with Hereford? <laughs> well, that's, that, when I read it, I was like, okay, Oxford, yes, yes. Cambridge, yes, yes, yes. York, thingy. These are all places where you would imagine there's a, a large contingent of people who could speak Latin. Mm, Possibly mm, a lot yeah. of these forbidden books are stored. Yeah. So it's it's a very pointed thing. I didn't know that there was a copy of the Necromicon. Uh, Necromicon. Thank you. The Necronomicon in Hereford. <laughs> the the Necrowonkymong in <laughs> Hereford. But apparently there was, and they needed to make those people know. No, what I'm seeing it is is like is like the the instruction came down to go like send it send the send the pieces of his body to to centers of learning so they know not to cross me and then they actually left it to unlearned men and they were like right where where are universities well York's got one and Cambridge has got one and Oxford's got one do you know any others uh, no oh oh god well we've got to send it somewhere <laughs> what's the nearest town hereford that'll do that'll do shut up no one will check send it, send it west in in vaguely west <laughs> if you wouldn't mind please amazingly the treason act of 1351 is still in force to this day though it has no, been really yeah it's not been repealed it has been amended <laughs> but it's not been repealed the last person to be executed for treason was william joyce Better oh, know. Baron, Baron, oh, sorry, go on. Continue. No, go on. No, I was going to say Baron something, but it's not Baron, is it? I've forgotten. Lord. Ha-ha? Yes, Lord yeah. Ha-ha, who had worked for the Nazis broadcasting propaganda to the UK during World War Two. He was an unrepentant anti-Semite and much more deserving of death than a mathematician with a passing interest in occultism and a very pushy <laughs> mistress. <laughs> well, at least it did some good in the end, I suppose. Like, it's... Well... Uh, good. Am, am I really pro death penalty? No, not really. I am. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> At least that one's come down firmly on the side of barbarism. You, you know me. I'm a humanist. I'm a liberal. I'm very, very open to everybody. But I want people killed for minor offences. <laughs> I as wouldn't well. call. I wouldn't call deliberately, deliberately trying to help the Nazis win World War Two a minor offence. On, on specifically on the grounds that well they'll get rid of the Jews and I'm pro that. That's yeah, <laughs> not a minor offence. Oh no, he d he definitely deserved what happened to him. But that's that is the story of the Treason Act and how necromancy led to it. Yeah, well, basically how John of Nottingham. Who you called, you know, you, you mocked him as a magician. His <laughs> legacy of that act is still in force to this day. Yeah. He did so, something way back when, which has led to a law that still exists in some form in so, 2021. So technically, if I imagine good old Liz carking it, I'm yeah. committing treason. Yeah. If, if, if in your head now there is an image of a dead Elizabeth II... You're committing treason. How dare you? <laughs> I reckon. I reckon that's one of them laws that's still on the statute books, just out of like good old fashioned British, like um, you know, avoiding a difficult conversation. Like, we want no to be one, able to imagine you dead now, yeah, Mom. No PM wants to go to the Queen and say, "Well, it's a silly law. We need to get rid of it." And, you go, and the Queen's go, "Eh, so when people imagine that I'm dead, it'll be fine, will it?" <laughs> yes. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Sorry. How, how dare we? <laughs> I mean, maybe it's just, you know, she's not reached that point yet, but I'm guessing with Boris it's very close, where she can just go, he imagined me dead. <laughs> you all saw it, didn't you? And we all go, yes, yes. No, you, 
the the tit in the wig and the bloody stupid suit that doesn't fit. He imagined you dead. Yeah, you say that. Uh, I imagine Boris is from the right social class. I imagine that they get on quite well. Also, I suspect she's checked out. Like, I can't imagine that after Thatcher, she was that asked about anything anymore. <laughs> yeah, that was the the straw that broke the camel's back. I'm in my at the, at the point in which Thatcher went. She'd been like, look, I'm in, I'm in my just about to enter a sixties. I think at that time. Yep. Um, eh. Scans. The, 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 the country's already gone to hell. <laughs> like, what more can happen? I'm checking out. I'm, I'm off to breed horses and corgis. <laughs> well, actually, it's top secret, but she was off to breed horses with corgis. The oh corgi <laughs> is close now. Is that through. a horse-sized corgi or a corgi-sized horse? It's a corgi the size of a Shetland pony that can be ridden by, by, by small children. Uh, we, we're going to need to breed back in some horse DNA because, like, once word gets out that rideable corgis are a thing, I mean, it's going to make the Grand anybody, National a lot more interesting. I can't see anybody not wanting one. Yeah, like, I, I would want. Wouldn't you want one? A giant dog you could ride. I, I, Hello, I'm I'm small enough that I can just. There are breeds of dog where that is a viable <laughs> option for me. That's, dear listeners, that's bollocks. Just, like, I'm three he's, foot he, six. He's below average height. He's not a hobbit. <laughs> it's not the same thing. I'm three foot six in shoesies. 